Welcome to the Base Path Podcast brought to you by New England Baseball Journal. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan, along with co-host Matt Feld. Today, we're recapping the MIA season with two-time defending Division II champion coach Brendan Morrissey and MIA Player of the Year, New England Baseball Journal selection for MIA Player of the Year, Owen McHugh. Thanks, guys, for coming and joining us in studio. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, I'll start with you, Coach Morrissey. You hear a lot of times when people are trying to repeat as state champions, they always say the second year is more difficult than the first. Everybody's kind of got a a bullseye on their back, and uh, you encounter different adversity along the way. How did this one, 2023, compare to you to the 2022 championship? They were equally as special. I think it was great to do it the second time. A lot of new players lost some guys the year before. We did a Zoom with Rich Hill. He's a major leaguer. He went to Milton High School, and he told us just to carp compartmentalize the season right so we kind of did that week to week try to win the week and see where we're at at the end that was a great run and I think they were both just equally as impressive yeah oh and how did you feel like your role on the team changed from your junior year to your senior year I was used more in pitching I, I wasn't started last year I started one game towards the end of the year but just pitching more I think that was that was really it Yeah, Coach, it was interesting because Owen obviously this year had a a pretty special year. We had uh, 10 candidates for a player of the year, and then he had the huge performance in the state tournament too. That's kind of two years in a row for you where you could have potentially had the top player in the state. Charlie Walker last year really led the way, and he had a great freshman year at Northeastern. What do you think it is about your program where these players are peaking at the right time of year like in the state tournament? Well, when you mention Charlie and Owen, they work harder than anybody, so it has nothing to do with us. We just give them a platform to play. We work hard with them, but these guys are very talented, and they work year-round at it, so that that's where they separate themselves from the pack. That list of 10 players you had was awesome. They were all awesome players, so it's really a testament to Owen that he was selected for that. Yeah. Owen, oh, you're going to Williams to play to play both sports. Can you speak for your love for football, also on top, on top of baseball, and what made you want to play both sports in college? Yeah, fo- football's a fun time. I've always played since second grade. I had a really good group of guys on the football team that we've we've grown up together playing through the summer. We're just throwing the ball for hours on day. And it's just I love slinging the rock, so and I'm a competitor, so I like to win. And you were originally committed to UMass Lowell, is that right? Mm-hmm. And was it just that you wanted to play two sports and would have had to do that at Williams? Or, or what was it that made you kind of change your, your choice for colleges? Yeah, it was, it was just getting to play both. I've mm-hmm. always wanted to do that. So I just got an opportunity to that. And I'm um, just thankful for that. Everyone's got you guys circled on the schedule. Not that they didn't last year because you guys were good last year, but, but certainly a different after being the defending champion. How did you sort of handle when you guys dealt with some injuries and, and dealt with maybe a loss here in the middle of the season that maybe you, not, not, not anyone's hoping for a loss, but maybe didn't expect? How much do you think winning last year helped you guys kind of handle that sort of ups and downs that came at certain points during the year? It definitely helped. We had a lot of experience in the big games. If you go back the year before, though, we lost in the sectional finals to Hopkinton. Great team, great coach. A lot of the players were on that team, and they were really hungry two years ago. To kind, of, They felt like they left something on the table. So it really goes back to two years ago when they lost in a big game, and then we were able to string that together. But just the experience of playing in front of crowds, big games, they learned to embrace it. What about the Tommy Mitchell injury this year? He was one, I think we kind of had him as maybe a preseason MIA All-State selection. He was a guy who really kind of took a leap last year. And then to have him get injured, how did you have everybody kind of stick together and rally around, like, hey, we're going to be shorthanded for most of the year, but we may have him back at the end of the season? Yeah, Tommy's a special kid. He's a great kid, great player, so that was unfortunate that he had a little elbow injury. But again, he was able to rehab it and come back, and 
that's where Owen came in and started to pitch a little bit more. So it made it a little bit easier that we had Owen McHugh on the roster. But yeah, Tommy was a huge loss. He's a great kid, and it was great to see him get healthy and come back and pitch. Mm-hmm. Owen, did you guys feel a little, again, being part of the team last year, not that you weren't a crucial part, but led like guys like Charlie and Shay Donovan, those kids that were crucial elements and, and leaders, did you feel a little extra responsibility as a senior to pretty much follow in their footsteps? Do you feel any? Did you feel any extra pressure? I mean, I don't really feel pressure, but... Yeah, they're obviously great players and great leaders. So they kept us in check, working hard. And when you got a lineup like that last year, it's you get out, it's not a big deal. Like they're going to come behind you and make put one in the gap. So I feel like kind of had to step up us seniors and juniors. It was a big role to fill, but no pressure. We were just excited for it. How do you mean that, that you don't feel pressure? Is that like, and like you didn't feel pressure to replace those guys, or you just never feel pressure <laughs> even when you're like on the mound in a state championship game? No, I don't really feel pressure in terms of just being like competitive. Oh, if okay. I'm on the mound, yeah, just trying to win the game, not not focus on not thinking about losing it. That's where you're most comfortable. Uh-huh. What what type of training do you do outside of high school practices? I trained with the high school our football team. We worked out in the mornings over the summer and just all year round to be honest but yeah now I have football workouts to do so just gotta do stuff on my own and then for the football team gotcha coach you're involved both in the in the high school circuit and the in the club circuit I'm curious your perspective just on the maybe the separation or the overlap in terms of do you feel like there is a disconnect not in not in the MDB program, but just in general, in terms of fundamentals that are taught, whether positive or negative. How do you feel like that dynamic? It's just such a hot topic now. I feel like someone that's in both circles. How do you kind of view the the vantage point? And is you view it more as a rivalry, or is it something that it's kind of a, a comment on the coaches on, on both sides to kind of bring everyone together from a developmental standpoint? I think we're starting to see more coaches with the overlap, and that's helping with that rivalry that I think did exist in years past, and I think that gap's kind of closing, where there's just a lot of coaches that are involved in both developing players. And if if both parts of baseball work well, they should complement each other. The the stuff you get out of this travel ball circuit is great winter training, prepares you for your high school season, and then obviously summer ball, right? Um, But I do think that they need to work together and not have it be a rivalry. Who's more important? It's it's about the kids, right? So what's their best platform? How do they get the most out of their training? And things like that. It seems like the high school season has more opportunities for practices than maybe like, especially the summer season. It's a lot of games, a lot of showcase events, a lot of weekends with three, four games. How do you make the most of that practice time at the high school level to get these guys to develop so they're ready to step in when you have a group of seniors like last year graduate and then you have Owen McHugh step up and player of the year? I think the practice is the biggest difference, right? You train all year in the winter with your club teams and things like that, and that's awesome. But the high school season is just vastly different. It's a 70-, 80-day build if you actually play all the way through. So the amount of practice time that you spend doing that, you spend more time at practice than you do playing the game in the high school season. And in the club circuit, every weekend's a new weekend, right? You go to a different tournament, everyone's called the World Series, and it's, it's <laughs> kind of laughable to a degree. It's a great platform, I'm part of it, don't get me wrong, but the high school season's just different in that sense. You work harder for a longer period of time, and then the cohesiveness of the team day after day after day. With club ball, it's a different weekend every weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I feel like it's a pretty cliche question, but nowadays, of course, with so many kids that decide to reclassify or go to private school from all towns, I don't, it's not just Massachusetts, it's a pretty, become a pretty common theme due to NCAA recruiting and COVID and, and the pandemic and everything. What made you want to stay at Milton High School, and why? I guess what has made overall your experience so special? I think just playing with my buddies that I've always grown up for and 
for football and baseball, we have great coaches at Milton High, and why would I want to go to private school and not win a state championship when I can do it with my friends at home? And just, just a better. It's more of like a community. You you show up every day, and it's the guys you've been living with your whole life playing summer ball. If you go to a private school, you're playing with other kids that are just worried about themselves and trying to go to college and just work on themselves at Milton High. It's more of a team culture. You're trying to win. You're all working together. It's more fun, I think. Coach, what do you think about as you look ahead for your program? Now, two state championships in a row, I would imagine that's kind of the pinnacle of success or what you imagine when you set goals. What do you think in terms of next year and even in the future? What can this do, this run of success do to kind of set you up for the future? Yeah, I think we're in a great spot as a program. Every year that we've been there, though, the goal is to win the state championship. And it's a lofty goal, but we just try to teach the kids in life, say your goal's high, and if you reach them, great. But the journey to get there is, is where it's important. So not to be afraid of success, to go chase it. And when it happens, to appreciate and enjoy it. Coach, there's something I've asked Zach Brown, the Franklin coach, about. I'm curious, not just winning one, but winning two. Is it hard, or do you think it will be hard, to stay motivated in the aspect that you've already won? Like, as a from a personal standpoint, I mean, as a, as a coach, you've already won, right? You've already been there. How do you kind of stay motivated going forward for the program? The kids, really. I mean, they show up and work hard every day. They make it easy. And as an adult, you don't get many competitive parts in your <laughs> life. So any day showing up to the park with these guys is a, is a treat. That's a pleasure. And they bring the best out of us, right? They show up and they're hungry to get better and work at it. So it's just about the next year and the next one, right? The crazy thing with the MIA tournament this year, it was the same as last year in both Division One and Division Two, with Taunton and Franklin in the final and then you and King Philip. Have you thought about what that matchup might have looked like with you and Taunton? You would think like those D1 teams might have a little more depth throughout the roster, but you guys have hung with those teams whenever you've matched up against D1 competitors in the last two years. Have you thought about what the, what a matchup with Taunton might look like? Oh, yeah, of course. I think the kids were texting back and forth about meeting at the Sandlot the week after, but uh, I don't think that happened. It's really just a testament to those coaches and their programs, and they're great communities. So they have a lot of great kids going to their public schools. Coach Brown and Coach Bork run great programs, and there's no surprise there on my end that they're in it every year. Oh, and what do you think it would look like? I mean, I, I like our chances, but they're a really good team. I was playing with a few of those kids with the Rocks, and they're good kids and very good players. So yeah. no, I think it would be a good game. Yeah. Super 8. There you go. There, yeah. It's, I was going to ask about that later on, but I guess since you since you brought it up, I think the Super Eight went away pretty much during the pandemic year, right? So 20, 2020, there were Division Two teams who had made the Super Eight before. Belmont made it in two thousand seventeen. Plymouth North made it in two thousand sixteen. North Andover won the whole thing in two thousand nineteen. You guys played Austin Prep the first game of the year last year. I think the score was one nothing, if I if memory serves me correctly. And you've played great competition, non league, in league since then. How much do you feel like? in your opinion, the state would benefit from a tournament like that? And I guess it's not aggravating because they're state champions, so, so it doesn't get any better than that. But have you thought about how cool it would be to have maybe played Austin Prep again last year in the postseason or played Franklin and Taunton and, and those schools again in a separate sort of tournament? I think that's the best week or two of baseball that we've had in state history, right, the Super 8. You look at Braintree, Walpole, guys that have been in that, and I talked to Coach Costello and Coach O'Connell about it. They're both big proponents of the Super 8. And again, kind of back to the answer on the club ball and the high school ball, it's a platform for kids to play baseball. And that platform to compete against the best teams in the state, it's great for the kids, right? Forget about the MIA, the state, the adults. Like It's the best platform for the most competitive baseball. And we look at kids trying to go to college, there's no better way to do that than to put the best teams in the same tournament and go get it. It's a, a magical tournament when you have those type of athletes, coaches, competitors, 
it's terrific. I'd love to see it come back. We were we were talking about Taunton, and that made me think of, I don't know if you've seen in the news, they've had some issues with parents, I guess, arguing with umpires during games, and they're trying to come up with a structure of punishing parents when they step out of line or ejections and things like that. And it made me think, like, maybe when you're at the highest level of D1 baseball, the parents are more committed. They're not going on vacation during the season or anything like that. When they make that commitment, they're so competitive when they get to the fields and it comes out with their attitudes towards umpires and arguing calls and things like that. Do you see that in Milton at all because the level of play is so high? We've been lucky to have a really supportive group of parents, especially the last few years. But that that's pretty consistent through everywhere we go and I think everyone needs to just take a deep breath right it's it's high school baseball everyone's chasing the Instagram post or the Twitter post about d1 this d1 that take a deep breath and kind of enjoy where you're at watch the kids play success failure whatever it is just try to enjoy being in the moment and the parents aren't on the team right, right? and they're, they're young men they should learn to communicate with the coaches and handle that success or failure with their coaches and their teammates. But I think across baseball in general, if everyone could just take a deep breath (laughs) and enjoy what they're doing, their kids healthy, he's playing sports, hopefully he's getting good grades. Those things are way more important than the wins and losses. And the umpires, they try. They try their best, and they're high school umpires, right? If we wanted professional umpires, well, we got to go to Fenway Park, right? So we should expect a high school-level performance from the umpire as well, right? Do we get mad at the the student-athlete if they make an error? No, you shouldn't. They're the student-athletes, so... There are umpires out there losing money, umpiring, gas money, travel, taxes. They, they don't really make any money doing it, so they're doing it because they love it and they're trying to give the kids a good experience. And I'll have disagreements with them. Don't get me wrong, I'm not always happy with it, but they are trying their best, and I think everyone needs to appreciate that because pretty soon we're not going to have umpires to do it, especially if you look at the guys that are umpiring. They're from a few generations before me for sure. They're, they're on the older side. There aren't many young guys umpiring, so I think we need to appreciate the officials, good or bad. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the year 2032, and Don Fredericks is going to be umpiring first base at a Braintree-Milton game. Mr. Fredericks can umpire games whenever he wants. <laughs> oh, and I want to ask you about, I asked you really about playing multiple sports and playing multiple sports in college. I feel like nowadays it's very common for a kid to say, I'm going to quit hockey to focus on baseball because I'm going trying to play Division One baseball or whatever. I want to quit baseball to focus on soccer because I want to be a high-level soccer player. I feel like when I look at you or Sal Freelich, who was a three-sport varsity athlete and now, of course, is on the verge of the big leagues, or Pat Connaughton, who played two sports in college at Notre Dame, it seems pretty foolish to me that you would have to quit one sport in order to focus uh, on something else. What do you say to, what would you say to people that feel like they have to sports specialize, being with, you've kind of proven the fact that you don't have to in order to, to play mm-hmm. in college? Yeah, no, I think, I just... I just love playing multiple sports. If that's what you love to do, you're going to find a way to get better at them all. And I think it's a really good experience to meet all types of people. Someone on the rocks was saying to me, like, he was like, I think you got like all types of personalities because you play football, hockey, and baseball. And usually it's different groups of guys there, and you just got you kind of like gel with them and make new friends. And I think it's just a really fun experience if you love if that's what you love to do. Coach. Oh, go ahead. No, no. No, I was going to just follow up and, and ask, again, just because you're also in the college recruiting world, not just in Milton High, but in the club circuit level, I'm sure you get people all the time that want to sports specialize and, and ask you whether they should quit football or hockey or whatever to focus on baseball. What's their usual response? And what's your usually guidance for kids when, when people bring that up? Go play multiple sports, right? Enjoy high school. Sports are going to end one at one point. Everyone's chasing this dream of going D1, and that's kind of frustrating as a coach. It's like, enjoy your high school career, right? Look what Owen did. He, he also sells himself short on how hard he <laughs> works at that. 
he's going to football lifts. He, he skates hockey practice. He comes down to the facility with Duff and puts in his work late at night, and he's also has a, over 4.0. So for someone that's going to do all that, it's a lot of work. But I would never tell a kid not to play a sport. Now, there are some guys that choose to do that on their own. And that's totally their decision. If that's they want to sell out to the process and, and get as high as they can go, that that's fine too. But at Milton High, we have great coaches in a lot of sports, so I love watching the football games and showing up and seeing these guys do well there. That's part of the community building, and that doesn't happen if these guys don't play multiple sports. So Owen's going to look back one day and be very happy that he did all that. Oh, and Coach Morrissey was saying that, that the social media, there's so much D1 or bust type energy there where it's you have to be a D1 prospect, you have to go on and be a draft prospect and things like that. Did you ever think twice about your decision? Like, hey, I might be making the wrong decision here. It seems like everybody is so motivated by D1. Or how did you maintain the perspective that like, hey, I'm going to do what's right for me? I just thought like if I stuck to my process, if I'm just doing what I do every day and keep working to get better like if you're hitting a cage at a d1 facility versus hitting a cage at a d3 facility you're still hitting and you can just focus on that process and playing this summer in a summer league there's a lot of d3 players that are just as good as the d1 players so it's it's just kind of if you work hard you're going to find a way i think i don't Mm -hmm. really think about any of that coach the the landscape of high school baseball certainly changed in the aspect of again since the pandemic the amount of kids that have left the MIA or reclassified, the amount of kids that maybe moved or, or again, were looking for, for an additional year academically. How have you seen it not necessarily just impact Milton High, but even, again, just in your baseball ventures outside of, of high school? And what do you think can be done to sort of rectify the, the situation? Because it does feel like the association is struggling and, and trying to figure out a way to, to, again, not just in Milton, you guys have obviously done a great job of, of keeping your talent base, but in general, just from a state standpoint, do you think there's things the state and the state association can do to do a better job of keeping kids inside the MIA? Bring back the Super 8, right? Give them the best platform for the best baseball to play. That's great for everyone involved. And then it kind of goes back to that D1 dream. When I talk with kids in Milton and they think they're a D1 player, I say, well, why don't I call Coach Bordelotti a curry and you go up there and tell me that you're the best player there today. And, and that you're not. Right? That this guy's up there lifting and training very hard. So there's just a misconception that everyone's going D1, and it's a very small percentage. And like Owen said, there's really good players at Division Three that could play at Division One, And there's guys that are showcase guys that showed up, but they don't hit the field in D1. And in a year or two, they're going to a D3 school. And especially here in our neck of the woods, it's like the educational mecca of the world, right? There's so many great schools in our backyard at the Division three level. Go get a great education, right? Play baseball, make connections. But as far as fixing that curve, I do think the Super 8 would be the best thing that we could do is bring that back. That must be a difficult conversation, though, when somebody's like, all right, yeah, my goal is D1, and you, you have to sit down and be like, all right, let's be realistic about this. How does that conversation play out? Is it with the parents present? Or, like, how do you go through those recruiting conversations with your players? Honestly, these guys do a lot of it for us, right? They see Owen, they see Charlie, Brian, Shay Donovan, whoever it may be, Jack Finnegan, Jimmy Fallon. They come and they have a platform to play. They play together. And, and more important than the wins and where they're going to college and this or that, they have a ton of fun doing it, right? So mm-hmm. and there's a lot of the younger kids that came to our games in the playoffs we just ran a camp in Milton this week, and a lot of the kids were talking like about Owen McHugh, right? about Charlie Walker, guys like that. So their experience kind of does that for us. You look at the schools they're going to, right? not even the kids that aren't playing baseball. One of his teammates, K.J. Becker, going to Bowdoin, play football. Great school. right? Owen's going to Williams. right? Jimmy Fallon's going to Babson. So the stigma that you have to go to a private school to go to a great college, 
these guys thanks to their effort in the classroom are kind of debunking that hmm. Owen what are you going to miss the most about high school sports both football and baseball just the culture and I, I love the coaches they've, they've been great they'll do anything for you so just playing with your your buddies I'm gonna I'm gonna miss that for sure and uh, yeah it's really uh, just the cultures we built here it's fun showing up to the yard of the field every day and just being with your buddies and working hard working for a common goal to win a state championship it seems like a lot of younger players like 14 15 years old get so obsessed with velocity fastball velocity what do you say to guys that come up to you and say hey I want to throw 90 what's the thing that you've done that's helped you boost your velocity the most do you give them drills they can do or stuff they can work on or do you say hey work on your command first before you start worrying about velocity I don't really get many questions about that but for me I've just always lifted squat and lunges work on your legs and your core and everything I haven't really some people they're going to facilities and looking at their mechanics from every single head to toe but just like you just got to be an athlete and push weight that's what I think Hmm. coach there's a just to follow up on Dan's question I mean this has been pretty well researched at this point there's a direct clear correlation between the amount of showcases that kids attends and their propensity to get hurt it's just like there's been so many scientific studies done on this at this point apparently this pertains to arm injuries kids are trying to set a PR every other day pretty much excuse me they threw 105 pitches on Monday they want to throw in PBR Futures game on Friday just is ridiculous. From that aspect of it all, do you feel like there are things that baseball coaches can do better, youth coaches can do better, to help ensure that kids are taking better care of their bodies and helping ensure that they're developing the right way? Yeah, I think the showcases are, the, the data's there, right, where the injuries are going through the roof. The worst thing I see is, like, the pull-down, where kids are crow-hopping <laughs> yeah. and thrown into a net to try to hit a number from the outfield, and I, I just think that's something that's kind of unnecessary, in my opinion. And then the frequency in which they go to those, hoping for that Tim Corbin from Vanderbilt to be there and see it. It's just, there's so many variables. What I try to tell the kids in the Knights program, Milton High, is, is if you have a school you want to go to, go to their prospect camp. Yep. Right, and I think that's going to be the new wave of things here in the next few years. Go there. Their coaches are there. Right, They're paid to be there. That's how the assistants are making money at that. And you get a direct look from the whole staff. Right, So pick a couple schools that you really want to go to and go to that rather than go into these big showcases. And those that's part of it. Right, You do a showcase here. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But the guys that are going to showcase after showcase, and you've seen the data yourself, right? I've seen it. It's troubling. And the, and the funny thing to me is, right, is like someone will tell you that someone throws 92. They don't throw 92. They throw 86, and they just hit 92 one time in a bullpen some, someplace, yep. right? That's the hard part. I, I, coaches came to our game the other night, and we have a very tall player on the team. And he said, <laughs> Brennan, I'm just so happy that he's actually 6'7". There's so many times I hear this from coaches, and he's 6'3", right? So, And you're not doing the player a, a service by saying that he throws harder, that he's better than he is. The coaches don't miss. The college coaches are terrific at what they do. They're terrific at recruiting, evaluating the skill set. And when you tell them that they do something as a player, when they show up, that check has to cash, or they're not going to show up for the next guy. Right, so just being honest with them, and you're not doing the the player a service by saying he throws harder than he does. We've talked before about your coaching staff at Milton, and it's a very experienced staff of guys who are from the area and kind of grew up in the in the program. I and to be able to keep that staff together, those guys, a few of them could be head coaches other places. How do you keep those guys loyal to the program, and how do you how did you assemble a staff with that much experience? I'm so fortunate to have everybody that helps. I just try to stay out of the way and not mess it up. I let those guys do their thing. They're terrific, right? From Ryan Stoller, who handles the pitching staff. He and I played ball together since we were five. 
He's a college pitcher. Dan Sweeney handles the outfielders, coach third base. Nick Petchel handles the infielders. Derek Curley helps out coaches first. And then last year we brought in normal coach Norm Walsh from BC High, and that was terrific addition. So it's, it's great. I think the culture we have is positive. The kids work hard. The coaches enjoy it, but uh, I'm blessed to have them there helping out. But you don't you don't let your pride get in the way that some of these other guys might have. Like Norm Walsh has how many years of head coaching experience? Longer than I've been alive. <laughs> yeah. But you, you don't let your pride affect you? It, I say it to the kids all the time. It's not about us. It's it's really about all the guys that played before them, too, at Milton High and tried to do great things. But, no, whatever can improve the student-athlete experience at Milton High, that's my job, right, right. is to make sure that these guys and these players, student-athletes, have the best baseball experience that they can have. So, to me, that was an absolute no-brainer to bring in Coach Walsh. He's been a great coach with us. He's been a, turned into a great friend, and we're just lucky to have him. Owen, oh, the state championship game against King Philip, as Dan said earlier, was a rematch uh, of last year. Just taking back, what was the buildup like for you for that start in terms of excitement? You said you don't feel pressure, so I'm not going to ask you if you were nervous. But just the excitement, the anticipation, and then when you actually got out there, just the memory of being able to, to start a state championship game for you. Yeah, no, that was a lot of fun. I just Well, I pitched the Elite Eight game, and then we had, the, we had like a full week off, so I was very well rested. And then kind of just trying to look at their lineup. They had a very young lineup last year, so they returned a lot of guys and texted a couple of buddies that played them, see what I could get on them. They had some very good hitters, so just kind of try to prepare myself so that when I was out there I could just play my game and kind of just trust my process and just do my thing. we got a great field behind me, so just throw strikes and let them hit it get some outs. Coach, there's a lot of programs that when they would put their starting shorts up on the mound would be pretty nervous about, about the infield defense that that they are now leaving behind you know, the pitcher on the mound regardless of how good that could may be on the mound what type of luxury did you guys have from an infield depth standpoint jimmy fallon was the third baseman and he slid over to short he'd be the shortstop on pretty much any other team around and he's just an awesome kid too jimmy's the best he's a hockey guy first he's going to baps and the skate he's going to do great but he rolls out of bed and hits 400 in the base day league every year so it was, a, it was a luxury to have him slide over. And then really the hidden gem in it was a kid named Pierce O'Sullivan, who was the backup third baseman. Uh, and Pierce wasn't in the lineup hitting, but he works so hard every day taking his fungos and getting better at third base. And then in the state championship, he spun a double play to get us out of a big inning. And that was really just a great snapshot of what kind of the program and the kids are about, right? Pierce worked hard every single day, and then in the big moment came up big for his buddy. So that was one of my favorite parts of the state championship. Oh, and what do you remember? Or what are your first memories about baseball? Like, do you remember how you fell in love with the sport? Was it watching it on TV or playing t-ball? Or what was? What are your first memories? Just playing catch in my backyard with my dad and brother. I've always been doing that and with a ball with buddies. I remember being at Andrews Park, four years old, diving around, trying to make plays, and just trying to be a scrappy player. Just work hard but summer ball that's that was a big thing growing up Milton American we had a good group of guys from 9 to 12 we got to go to Cooperstown made a lot of fun memories so that, that would be my early memories and did your dad and brother both play baseball or I had played when he was younger I, he didn't play in high school but my brother's still playing he, oh, yeah. he was injured last year but hopefully he'll make a return is he he's at Milton high school or mm-hmm. yeah okay I'm only gonna ask this because Owen brought it up and I forgot it happened but of course you guys got no hit in, a, in the Elite Eight game against Plymouth North and won one to nothing, which is pretty unique, I guess, at least in a postseason game mm-hmm. at that point. Did you, I, I, I'm only just going to briefly touch, did you realize you guys were getting no hit? 
and, and just speak to the fact that you guys were going up against D.C. Brown, of course, a really good arm from, from Plymouth North, just the game itself, because it seemed like that was probably, you faced him, you faced Ryan Baker, I know, in the, in the semifinal games, just the arms overall that you guys went against in the tournament. Yeah, D.C. Brown was a great player. Coach Follett, I think I pronounced his name correctly. That's not my specialty. He runs a great program. They've been successful for a long time. D.C. pitched great. Yeah, we knew we were getting no hit, right? But uh, it was also kind of an interesting no-hitter. I think we only struck out once, yeah. right? So I'd love to know how many times that's happened in baseball, <laughs> right? I was one of those days where there were a lot of balls right at them, and to their credit, they played awesome defense, right? They made every play. So that's why we were in the position we were in. I think we worked a walk, if I remember correctly. Hit it was, by a pitch. Was it Reed Dexter? Yeah, yeah Reed. Reed got hit by a pitch. We ended up getting him over to second. Pinch run was a Jack Sell. Yeah. Got a bunt down and then a sack fly. Perfect. Yeah, and it, it, just, pass ball. it was a pass ball to get to third, and then a sacrifice fly, I think. So it worked out great. But credit to Plymouth North and D.C. Brown. He, he pitched great that day, and we were lucky enough to sneak one by. Oh, and we were talking. You said you're going to Williams August 26th. 23rd. 23rd. Yeah. Uh, what do you expect the schedule to look like for a, a two-sport ath- athlete? Obviously, challenging academic environment, too. Are you going to try to be juggled, too, at the same time, or do you think the seasons will be pretty well split for at, at the Division three level? I'm pretty sure they're, they're split, but this year they added 10 days of fall ball, so I'm not sure how that's going to go. But there's, a, there's another kid up there that's doing football and baseball that I met on my visit, and then there's another kid coming with me, so... I think they'll help like balance the challenge and have a guy that's experienced it. He'll show me the ropes and what, what to do. But I, I was going in knowing that I was going to play football and then baseball was going to start in February with captain's practices in between. When I, I asked Coach Coach Walsh before the season started how he felt about the about the team, we were just talking. and I knew you guys were going to be good, but I was just asking him. And he had a team that went back-to-back in 2008 and 2009. And he told me right before the year he felt like it was just like 2008 and 2009 what is one thing that kind of you feel like ties the overall group together, both from last year and this year? What's sort of one common theme that when you think of guys like Charlie and, and then Owen, of course, from this year, what do you think is going to be one overall arching thing that you remember 25 years from now? It might be kind of cliche, but really just the smiles on their faces at the end of it, watching how hard they worked, being there with them every day, six days a week, right, for what is it, 10 weeks, if not more. And then seeing the dogpile players in the infield, that's the best part of coaching. So I'll remember those moments for a long time and just really how much fun they had doing it. And, and these guys that somehow don't feel pressure in, in big <laughs> moments, that's pretty special too. He's a special kid. Yeah. He's going to go off and do great things. So we do try to take that pressure. It's, it's Pressure is a privilege, right? We get to play in big games, and they're very experienced at it. But we all know we're pulling in the same direction, and win or lose, we're going to do it together. So when everyone's on the same page with that, you go out there and see what happens. Right on. Well, Coach Owen, thank you so much for taking the time to join us in studio. I know it's been a busy summer and you got school coming up again. So thank you so much. Thanks to Coach Morrissey and Owen McHugh for joining us on the Base Path Podcast. The rate, review, subscribe to the Base Path Podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks to our producer, David Yaz. The Base Path Podcast is a Siemens Media production. <laughs>